Hello and welcome to Biblical Breadcrumbs. In this episode, we'll be in 1 Thessalonians 3 in verses 6 through 13, a couple of sections here as we deal with the end of this chapter and kind of the the end of the first big push of the book. Now, the book up to this point has been about this idea that Thessalonica is great. Do you remember the theme of our book that we're addressing? Thessalonica is great, so excel still more. Because you are great, don't stop doing that, but rather continue on and keep on working because there's so much more you can accomplish. We've we've nearly gotten to the end of where Paul says, you're doing great, keep on going, And we're about to, as we hit chapter 4, we're about to enter the section where he says, excel still more. That's chapter 4 and verse 1. We're about to hit that section, and there's a slight tonal change in the book, but it's still all framed in this idea and this theory that you are doing great, you are doing amazingly well, so keep going at it. Today we'll finish off chapter 3, and that'll that'll kind of bring this uh, idea full circle and align a little bit with what Paul was doing before. So if you remember chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, Paul was talking about history, the Thessalonicans' history specifically, in that Paul was there, he was in Thessalonica for three weeks-ish, and then he got run out of the city seemingly immediately thereafter, and he leaves, he goes to Berea, he gets run out by the Thessalonican Jews again, Jews who have traveled to Berea and who have thus kicked him out. Um, He knows Thessalonica's had a hard time. He's been trying to get back there. In the end of chapter 2, he mentioned that. He's trying to get back there. He can't. Satan's blocking him. So he sends Timothy, hoping against hope that maybe their work hasn't been in vain, and maybe the, the Thessalonians somehow stayed faithful. I don't know how they would do that. They've had little education. They don't really know what's going on. They're new Christians. How would they stay faithful? But we hope they have. And Paul, well, he's not able to go himself, so he sends Timothy out to get news of Thessalonica. Timothy returns now, or has returned in the past, and brings Paul good news. Look at 1 Thessalonians 3. Let's start reading in verse 6. But now Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news about your faith and love. He reported that you always have good memories of us and that you long to see us as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and affliction, we were encouraged about you through your faith. For now we live if you stand firm in the Lord. How can we thank God for you in return for all the joy we experience before our God because of you as we pray very earnestly night and day to see you face to face and to complete what is lacking in your faith? Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with love for one another and for everyone, just as we do for you. May he make your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Amen. We have two sections here. We have the first section, the the little history lesson section of what came before, and we have the second section keep my Bible open there. And we have the second section of a prayer that Paul gives that uh, a prayer of thanksgiving and blessing the Thessalonians for everything that they've done. Now, when I was looking at this, when I was looking at all of these verses, I realized you really can't split these two sections apart because they're very, very closely interconnected. And actually, as I looked at it, 
I kind of came across an outline for the section that has to do with a kind of chiastic structure. If you know what that is, I don't remember if I've explained it on, on here or not, or if you know it from a, uh, from a different source, but a chiasm is a Jewish literary device where, uh, in which the first thing and the last thing are kind of parallel thoughts, and then the, the second thing and the second to last thing are also parallel thoughts. And it goes all the way through into the middle, and the middle point is really the point that's being emphasized. The middle point is like some important idea core to the section, and on either side of that you have supplementary and important information that mirrors each other as it gets further and further apart. So for instance, when you look at this section, what I see is verses 9 and 10 are similar ideas, and both talking about how Paul cares for Thessalonica, how Paul loves them, but then you have verses 8 and 11, which are statements that Paul does care about them. You have verses 7 and the another take on verse 11, which are statements of how Paul is encouraged by Thessalonica's faith, and he wants to help it. And then you have verses 6 and 12, in which both uh, both verses reference Thessalonica having a very Paul-like attitude in terms of love especially and how they should keep doing that. This section is just a mirror of, uh, of itself, and as we go through, hopefully you'll be able to see some of that. So look at verse 6. Paul was worried, worried that his work was going to be in vain, worried that he wouldn't actually gain anything, that, that the church wouldn't grow any, that Thessalonica would fall apart, and the, the church and the Christians he established would immediately fall away. It turns out that's not the case, and now Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news about your faith and your love. He reported what? He reported that they always have good memories of us, of Paul, and that they, Thessalonica, or you all, long to see us just as we long to see you. Here you see this first idea. Thessalonica is faithful. Th Thessalonica is full of love and faith, and Timothy brings back news of that. But it's more than just the surface-level faith of, oh, I believe things, or, oh, yes, I, I, like, uh, I like this God idea, or whatever that may be. It's a very deeply rooted faith, in fact. There's so much love, there's so much faith here. Paul compares it to his own. You love us so much, you long to see us, just as we also long to see you. Thessalonica has a Paul-like attitude in their love, in their faith, in their care for each other. They're longing for Paul just like he's longing for them. Drop down to verse 12. Paul says this, May the Lord, this is in the middle of his prayer, May the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with love for one another and for everyone, which, verse 6, they have, just as we do for you. Paul says in verse 6, You have my attitude. Paul says in verse 12, Keep having my attitude. It's a parallel idea that's brought out in his wording. Look up at verse 7. Not only are they full of faith and love, not only are they longing for Paul, well, they actually were the ones who encouraged Paul. As odd as it seems, this established apostle who's been a Christian for a few years and who's been working and very, very effective, 
now this established apostle who's gone on so many mission trips and founded so many churches and converted so many people, well, he's encouraged by them, by them in their faith, not just their love. It's their faith that's important too. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and affliction, we were encouraged about you through your faith. Drop down to verse 11. What's Paul trying to do? May our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. What's the point of that? Why does Paul want to go back to them? Why does Paul want to return to them? It's found in verse 10 that he wants to go back to complete what is lacking in their faith. He wants to go back and because because they have a faith and they stayed constant, Paul wants to return for the sake of their faith and ground them even more, and make the faith even more impressive and more full, and build them up to be even stronger. These ideas of Thessalonica's faith, encouraging Paul himself, encouraging to do what, him to do what? Encouraging him to go and help them to have even more faith. It's a self-reproducing cycle in that faith begets more faith. And Paul uses the same language there, he's mirroring these ideas. Then you look at verse 8, and you see a statement of how much Paul cares. For now we live if you stand firm in the Lord. What does that mean? If they don't stand firm in the Lord, Paul dies. <laughs> Literally, no. Figuratively, it's not like it causes him to sin, I, I wouldn't think, although it may make him very, very angry, and that might lead to some things, right? I don't think it's literal. I don't think it's necessarily figurative, but this is a this is a this is a figure of how much Paul cares about them. If you haven't gotten that from the rest of the book, you haven't been listening or I haven't done a good job explaining it. But it's everywhere in this book that Paul does care about these Thessalonians. His, he's doing so much work. He's praying for them. He's stressing over them. I was only there for three weeks. I didn't help them very much. Now they need so much more than I can give because I, I can't be there right now. Paul is worried about them. Why? Because he cares so much about them. And you have that idea back in verse 11 as well, because what is Paul expressing? He's expressing not just his desire to come and help them work, to come and build their faith that he established. He's expressing the desire to go and be with them. He cares about them. The work he's doing, it's for them. Everything he's going to, all of the effort, all of the stress, all of the strain, everything he's facing, it's for them and for their encouragement. Paul cares about this group. And he's working towards them. Well, how do you see that? What does care look like? What does, does love for other people actually look like? How do you see it? How do you visualize it? You see it in verses 9 and 10 in two different ways. And this is the heart of this section, I think. Right There are parallel ideas in 6 and 12, in 7 and 11, in 8 and 11. And now in 9 and 10, you get two different facets of what that care looks like. It's all about the love they have, the love Paul has for them, how much he cares. Here he explains it. And this is what his care looks like. Verse 9, How can we thank God for you in return for all the joy we experience before our God because of you? Verse 9, Firstly, 
Here's what care looks like. Here's what love looks like. It's being thankful to God for what you have. That's core to this section. That's the important part. Love is not love if you're not thankful to God for it. If you have a friend or a family member and you're not act and you're not thankful to God for providing that person and for giving them to you, you are not going to do your best to encourage that person to build them up towards God, which means you ultimately didn't love them like you should have. Because that's what love is, is pushing people towards the source of love so that they can understand what love is. Love works for a person's betterment. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, oh, I'm spoiling the next verse. Oh, no. Love works towards improving someone and where that starts is being thankful for them because when you're thankful you recognize how much you need to do to help and maybe that's a good reminder for us to be thankful for the people we have for the resources we have for the time we have all sorts of things paul is thankful for them and that leads into verse 10 which is we pray for you earnestly night and day to see you face to face and to complete what is lacking in your faith. How could we thank God for you in return for all the joy we experience as we pray very earnestly? How can we thank God? That's number one. But we pray for you, and we're trying to complete what is lacking. We are, in other words, working for you. It's all well and good to love someone, Right, whatever that means, whatever metaphorical or or metaphysical meaning that has, I don't know what loving someone is, but being thankful to God for them and working for their best interest to complete what is lacking to fix them. Now that's a pretty good definition of love or care for someone, and that's what that's what motivates Paul. That's at the heart of everything he's doing, is this love that he has for them, that he's thankful for them, that he works for them. That's what's driving him. And so, of course, he cares and wants to come and see them. Of course, he's encouraged to return so that their faith can be strengthened and stronger and more grounded so that they can help more people. Of course, he's going to encourage them to keep that love in verse 12. And in fact, it's the same love that he has. He says, this is love, that you are thankful to God and that you work. Now, you have that love, continue using it. Have that Christ-like and Paul-like attitude that they would be faithful and use this for good. He finishes up this section in verse 13 with a simple blessing and the end to his prayer May he, that is Jesus, God and Father, ourself, and the Lord Jesus, in verse 11, may he make your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance and give you peace. I believe that's how that uh, prayer goes. It's a blessing at the end. It's a very simple thing, but they don't need a complicated thing. They just need the encouragement. They need the building up. They need the strengthening, and they need some level of, of work and, and knowledge to be able to accomplish 
the fullness of what God has asked them to do. They're doing great. Isn't that the message? They're doing fantastically well. Do even better. What's the very next verse? Additionally then, chapter 4, verse 1, Additionally then, brothers and sisters, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus. Additionally, you're doing great, but as you received instruction from us on how you should live and please God, as you were doing, do this even more. They're doing great, wonderfully. Everything is going well for them. They're showing faith. They're showing love. They're being like God. They're being like Paul. They're emulating Jesus himself. These are all ideas from the first three chapters. And even in that, I want you to keep doing it, and I want you to go the next step and do that even more. That's what Paul's trying to encourage in them. That's what they need to live up to in their own lives. And that's where chapter 3 ends, looking forward to chapter 4, which tells them about a bunch of stuff they need to be doing, and actually a bunch of stuff they already are doing, and maybe one slight correction or readjustment of their ideas, and that's really the only correction we have in this entire book. Chapter 4, it's instruction, but it's also just a really hopeful chapter, because you see how good Thessalonica is, and we'll get into that when we get there next week. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Hope you benefited. Found something useful in all of this. And, well, that's what it's here for. Hope you, hope you enjoyed. Hope you benefited. God bless. And I'll see you next time on Biblical Breadcrumbs.